Hey guys, welcome to Not Just a Hashtag podcast presented by Trees of Hope. I'm your host, Nicole Escobar. On this podcast, we will be discussing the epidemic of sexual abuse, its realities, and the unfiltered ways in which it has affected all of our lives. We share our personal stories and how our lives have been restored. While this podcast is for everyone, we do want to let you know that we use several trigger words and this is geared more towards adult audiences. This podcast is for anyone who wants to educate themselves on the statistics behind sexual abuse, signs to look out for, and how to prevent it from happening. So let's get to it. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Not Just a Hashtag Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Escobar, and I'm here. I'm here, as always, with mental health counselor, Kristen Torres, and Stevie is back with us this time. So first, Kristen, how are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, glad to be here today. Really, really, and excited to see Stevie here too. I know. A- yeah, it's been a bit. It's <laughs> all right. So I'll just take this uh, a moment just to remind everyone too that um, our podcasts are really for informational purposes only. They're not official advice. So this does not take the place of advice from your doctor or your therapist because very likely we don't know you and your story. So we want to make sure that you're getting help from people that know everything that's going on with you. So we're just glad you're here. Yeah, so glad. So glad. Stevie, been a long time. How are you doing? Good. I've just been slammed with work. So, you know, being a business owner, it takes uh it takes a lot more of your time sometimes than you want it to take. So, but I'm I'm so happy to be back. I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, we are too. So thank you for joining us. So if you've been following along with us for the past three months, you know that we've been in this four-part series based on the book, Search for Significance, which was written by Robert McGee. So if this is your first time joining us, here's a quick recap. On episode 52, we talked about the idea that self-worth is not based on our performance, right? It's based on who God says that we are. In episode 53, we talked about the idea that we can be an approval addict when we do anything to get the approval of other people in our lives. And when we have the approval of Jesus and God, we don't need the approval from people. In episode 54, we talked about the idea that when we fail, we sometimes can view ourselves as unworthy or deserving of punishment. And the reality is, is that God took on that punishment and he accepts us in our failures, in our, in our, the times that we succeed, he accepts us as we are fully and completely. And so we don't have to perform. We have the freedom to fail, which is so freeing. So before we get into it, I know Stevie, you haven't been with us, but do you have any insight or just anything you want to add here on that topic of finding our self-worth or identity from anything other than God and what that can do to you when you do try to find it from the world? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I know just for me personally, I think that, man, I, again, like I hate calling myself like the victim, like it's like the the terminology that I don't like using, but even survivor even sounds like it's just weird. I, I sometimes I just don't know where I want to like throw myself into this, um, like with verbiage. But having that in my past, I definitely have ta- I've tagged myself. I've almost been like a leech. Like I've leached on to certain people, certain ideas, certain things where I have felt. Oh man, just 
not even like that self worth, like so loved, so encouraged, and what happened, and it has ended up becoming a man. It's almost like that codependent type relationship with everything. Honestly, at the end of the day, I, I it just goes back to like that, um, and it all fails. Like it all fails. It at the end of the day, like that person is going to fail me. Even like my best friend in the whole world, you know, like she's going to fail me. My parents are going to fail me. Um, that situation that I was in is going to fit. Like it's going to fail. Things are not going to be a hundred percent. And that's just something where I have really had to learn for myself that I have to fall back on Jesus and I have to fall back on knowing that he's really the only one that is going to act. He's the only, he is the only one that actually holds me up. Um, and that is where I find my true identity is in him. And so it's like, whenever I go back to like, okay, I'm not a, I don't want to say I'm a sexual abuse victim or even the survivor. I'm like, no, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God who has a crappy past, who things have sucked. But at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a child of God. And I really have found so, I, I find rest in that. Like I, I found rest in that years ago. I have found rest in that a few years ago. It's like, as I grow in my relationship with God as a father who loves me and is there for me and is a, a male role model in my life, I fall in love with him all over again. And I find my purpose in him that anything I say, think, and do is all going to get filtered through his love. And yeah, so I, I just think it's just at the end of the day, it's, it really is all, everything else is going to fail. Everything is going to fail, but we have to, I, like, I have to come back to where I sit, um, at the father's feet and just that he loves me and he holds me and he comforts me. And when I don't have the words to say, he sometimes gives me the words and sometimes he doesn't, he's just telling me to be quiet. And yeah. so I just, I love that I get to rest in that. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's, those are, those are my insights on where I find, where I find myself worth. That's beautiful. And I, I think that is really life giving um, because the, I love that you said that like everything is going to fail and kind of like, I hate having expectations in friendships or even like, even um I hate in marriage. Like I hate to have expectations, but I can't help it. It's like everything that I do, I have an expectation. But if we had the expectation of this person's going to fail me, this person's going to hurt me, but God won't. And he loves you so much. And no matter what happens in this situation or how it turns out, God is still good. And he still loves you. And no nothing's going to change that nothing at all. And that's really comforting because at the end of the day, he's the only one that matters. But we have to ask ourselves that hard question. Is he the only one that matters? And that's really what this these past couple of right. episodes have been challenging us to consider is, is God in the place of absolute um, love and adoration and affection of our hearts? And if he is, then make him your all in all right? Like nothing else should matter, but that's real hard when you're a human and you have human emotions and you have, you know, hurts and pains and things that happen to you. You can't help it. So thanks for sharing that. And now we're going to be talking about the last lie, um, which is the lie of shame, which says, I am what I am. I can't change. I'm hopeless. So when we believe this lie, it makes us feel like we have no worth or value. And when we feel hopeless, we end up making choices that reinforce those feelings of hopelessness. 
you know, we could turn to substance abuse or reckless behavior or choices. We may turn to things that may make us feel like, you know, or or continue the bad behaviors, like maybe a pornography addiction, maybe adultery, maybe um, a flirtatious way with, with men or women, or going out drinking and partying all night. These are choices that may have that may have worked at one time or may have helped us, you know, even though they don't necessarily help us at all, but they may feel like they help us. Um, But ultimately they're numbing out the pain. I can relate to this so much because, you know, I don't like to have any type of um, dependency in my life, but there's been times in my life where I'm like, I'll have another drink or I'm sad. So let me go to the glass of wine or whatever it is to sort of feel numb. And, um, I've gone on this journey of not wanting to drink or do anything or have any dependencies for the past couple of months. And it's really freeing. But at the same time, when something sad happens, my first thought is have a glass of wine. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. So, you know, that's not for everybody, but that's, what's worked for me is helping me realize when I'm going through something, who's my go-to is it God or is it the substance that makes me feel numb? And I'm alive with my thoughts and that can be really hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that a lot of times people do is self-sabotage because we think like, hey, I have no hope for anything better. So I'm just going to keep, you know, sabotaging my life. And this may not be, and Kristen speak into this, but this may not be a very conscious choice. This may be like, we don't even realize we're doing it. Right. Like I know I dated. Oh, yeah. Sorry, past ex-boyfriends, but like losers, um, because I was like, you know, I I don't deserve any better. And I but then I would sabotage those relationships anyways. So it was like and I didn't even realize I was doing it. And I'm like, what this is whacked what I'm doing here. So, hey, Kristen, speak into that a little bit. Um, feelings of hopelessness, they affect us. Um, as I talked about, you know, maybe making us make poor decisions um, or self-sabotaging. So how can shame hinder us from being our best self? Yeah, well, okay. So going back to that whole idea of hopelessness, right? Like if we, if we're really telling ourselves, because think about this, right? We're, you guys have probably heard this. We've talked about this before, or you've maybe heard it before that we're always telling ourselves a story. And so if the narrative or story that we're telling ourselves about our life and our experience is that um, we're just destined to always fail or, or destined to always struggle or destined for all relationships to turn out poorly or destined to never amount to anything or not be good enough or all of those things, right? Then yes, a lot of times we'll end up playing those things out. I know, Nicole, you mentioned that sometimes it's conscious or sometimes it's unconscious, unconscious. And then we look back and say like, oh my gosh, see, everyone leaves me and those kinds of narratives. But a lot of times the reason that's happening is because we start playing it out and almost like setting it up for for everyone to play out exactly what we were telling ourselves. So that hopelessness that I have no choice in the matter, right? Those kinds of beliefs um, set us up for just so much discouragement. And it's just hard to grow underneath that. Basically, it's kind of like oppression, like to grow underneath that, to change, to heal is, is almost impossible. Hmm. You have to have a little glimmer of hope. I mean, just like the, like, you know, the Bible talks about like just a a little, a mustard seed of faith 
Mm. You know, God can work with that. And I think it's very similar for all these things that we're talking about. If you have just a little bit of hope that something could be different, that you could change, that your life could look different, that healing is possible for you, just even a little glimmer of hope, we can work with that. And I even say that, you know, as far as when clients come in and see me, they have to have a little glimmer of hope. That's because that's how we change. Because if we're just telling ourselves it is absolutely impossible, we're not going to reach out for the help. We're not going to um, do anything to make that change because we've already, it's, we it's the book is closed. The story's over in our heads. Mm. So hopelessness is, it's so hard. And so again, just oppressive. Kristen, I actually have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you find that a lot of your um, clients that come in, like, is there a lot of hopelessness? Is there like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I feel like the, a handful of sexual abuse victims and survivors that I've talked to that there is at first, like there is that like hopelessness kind of at first, but it's like once they actually share their story and talk, then they can, um, I don't know. It's like once they, they're able to share their story and actually like verbally process it out loud, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I got the story out. Now I can take it in. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So I would say there is when people come into therapy, right? Like, is there some level of discouragement or potentially hopeless hopelessness or um, just really doubting that anything's going to help or work? Sure. You know, I, it's pretty rare, right? That someone comes into therapy and is like, this is going to be fantastic. And I just can't wait for tomorrow morning because it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to be like, win all of this, right? Um, you know, people are usually struggling. That's why they're coming in. So, um, but I help them search out that glimmer of hope. And sometimes for some people, depending upon what you're going through, you really do need to rely on someone else carrying that torch mm-hmm. for a little, for, for you, for a little bit, like, yeah. it's okay. The light is over here. Keep walking, mm-hmm. you know, and that's okay too. That's okay too. So I'm not saying if for anyone that's listening, if you are totally hopeless in this, in this situation that you can never change or you can't heal, or you trust in all these things we've been talking about these last few months and like, how is this, you know, ever going to be different because it doesn't, you know, I know it's not working for me. Um, it's okay. You are becoming aware of what's going on. So that in and of itself can provide some level of hope. Like, okay, I have I'm seeing the picture. Now it's a matter of reaching out and saying, I think I need help. I need someone to walk with me through this. I need to get this book. I need to go talk to my pastor. I need to talk to this close friend. I need to reach out and call a therapist. I need to go to a trees of hope group. I mean, like whatever it's going to be that takes that, that next little step of courage to say, I need some help. I don't know how to do this alone. And that's okay. That's okay. Cause we weren't meant to do it alone. I love that. I it's like every time I hear something like that, the torch, um, I think about my own life and just the things that I'm going through and why um strong friendships are so important. And to, you know, for me, my husband, um, somebody who sees the world like through a positive lens is really great to reach out to when you're struggling through something and not like a fake positivity, but like 
you know, for instance, I, I get hit with different things because I'm in foster care. So it's like a roller coaster. And so I, every time something happens, I text my friends and I'm like, this just happened. Um, and they just adopted their son. So it's very much like we've been there. We've been through this roller coaster. We had, you know, they've had him from, from years or a year and, um, you know, we've been through it. And so they're constantly just encouraging me of truth, you know, facts, but also like, don't, remember when God opens a door, no one can close it. Right. And I needed, I need to hear that. Like no one can close a door, a reopen a door that God closes, or no one can open a door that God closes. And that is like life, you know, because when you know that everything rests in God's hands, no human, no judge, no employer, no employee, no one can change what God has purposed, period. That's really comforting. Because it's like, well, if it's, if God's not in it, then I don't want it. And then you can find hope in that. Well, and that's faith, right? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. That is definitely, that is faith for sure. And so, and I know for you know people listening, there may be some of you who are really new to faith. And there may be some of you that have been walking a long time you know, with the Lord, but I think wherever you're at, I think such a good reminder, Nicole, of what you're saying is that we need other people, no matter where you are in the journey, you need other people and ideally healthy people, healthy enough, healthy enough, you know, people that have some self-awareness and are willing to be truthful about themselves, about you and who are encouraging and supportive. Yeah. You know, of you. yeah, totally. Okay, so um, now I want you guys, our listeners, to think about your own life and how shame has maybe shown up in the dialogue that you have with yourself. So I want you to think about a past mistake or a failing or a time where you messed up. Did you hear shame messages like, you will never change, this is just who you are, or you're hopeless, why bother to even change? So now think about a time where you tried to, you looked at that situation and you were like, okay, I want to do better at this time. I'm not, you know, I don't want to be this person. And you tried to make strides forward and you tried to change that behavior and maybe you failed um, and you heard something like, you will never be made new. That part of your life will never be regenerated. You can never be a new person. You can never have a new thing. You can never do it in a new way. Or no matter how hard you try, you will always be this person. There is no hope for a different future. I have definitely heard those messages. Um, and I know a lot of us, we struggle with this. We struggle with believing this lie. I mean, no matter how Christian you are or where you are in your faith, at some point in your life, you're going to struggle with these shame messages. And so I'm not trying to say, get become a Christian and they will go away. There's I'm going to tell you a story about a time where I was a Christian and I had these overwhelming shame messages. And it just took one little leap of faith and one little act of courage to give me the confidence, like Stevie was talking about, to give me that confidence of like, okay, wait, I can do something different. So, you know, for some of you, you may be looking at your life and thinking, I'm I'm just a hopeless cause. And, and this is a hopeless cause in this particular, particular area of my life. And I'm never going to change. And I, I want you to know that that's a lie. 
It's it's rooted in a, a complete lie that you you're stuck the way you are. And we're going to talk more about um, how we can change that mindset and how we can think differently. So before I get into that, Kristen, as you know, a lot of shame messages, as we talked about, they're lies. So how can we help our listeners recognize when these types of messages do come and that how can they see them as lies and how can they um, try not to believe the lie or how can they work to go? I know that's probably like years and years of counseling, but um, how can we give them like a little (laughs) pointer of like, hey, this is a lie and we can quickly try to um, call it that. We can call it a lie and then do what can we do to try to fix that or work for a better outcome? So there's a lot in that question. (laughs) It's funny because it's true. I know, right? I was funny because when you were asking, I was even thinking like, um, I wish this was an easy thing. Um, So I think something that stuck out to me in some of the statements you were examples you were giving was the absolutes. I will always, I will never that like that kind of stuff. I think those are just starting with that. Those are some real signals that we're probably, um, that our thinking is being, is unrealistic because we are not always or never, <laughs> like we're just not, we are changing dynamic people. Um, so we're not always going to be one way and we're not, or, nor are we just never, going to be this way or that like the the absolutes don't work okay so that's probably like a good um like measuring stick right there if you're telling yourself again remember right we're telling always telling ourselves a story in our head about our lives and about ourselves how we're interpreting things so if we're using those absolute statements about things about ourselves that's a little clue a little flag right there that like it's probably not objective like Mm -hmm. this is not accurate and could potentially be a lie And again, going back to what we were saying before, you probably need to bring someone else into that dialogue, someone trustworthy, you know, that's that you feel safe with to say, okay, I want to get real honest about what's going on in my head. And I like, I'm saying to myself, like, I'll never change. I'm always going to feel this way. I'm always going to be this way. That kind of thing. Is that true? Like, tell me what you see or tell me what your experience is, you know? And again, this is someone that you, you need to trust to be able to ask that question. My encouragement to you is not to go ask someone that you don't trust or you really don't feel safe with. Don't push yourself to do that. You need to find someone that you trust and feel safe with. Ask that question, get get a reality check outside of you. So again, absolute statements about yourself. They're probably not accurate because we're not the same all the time. And then, you know, get a reality check outside of yourself you know, to start to make, um, cause that can help you to start to shift and start to at least see the patterns. Let's just start there. Just start to see the patterns. Like, Oh, I have this tendency to always be really hard and negative about myself in this particular area, you know, and like this person's helping me see this as well, you know, and then it's, you know, we've talked a little bit before about some of that challenging those negative and automatic negative thoughts with truthful thoughts and the ideal, like the really, really, really top place to go is to find some scripture verses that really contradict those things. Um, But in the very least to, to come up with some statements that are more balanced is even a, a, an okay place to start the best, deepest, 
strongest is going to be those verses, but in the very least, some statements that are more balanced. In other words, I'll give you a quick example. If you're saying to yourself, you you realize that you're saying to yourself, um, let's see, like this, what happened to me will always define me. You know, a more balanced, truthful statement could be um, the things that have happened to me have had a, an effect, but they don't have to define me that's more balanced. So that takes away that always, because we're still saying it, it has an effect. Our stories, what we've been through does have an effect. Mm-hmm. We can't, we don't, we can't erase guys. We're human. Everything's interconnected within us. So there's no big giant eraser for, for things. Um, but can we heal through things? Can we change? Can we adapt? Absolutely. And that's the amazing way the Lord made us. So no one is a lost cause. Sorry. Mm-hmm. In case anyone's listening and thinking that you're that lost cause, you're not. Because it mm-hmm. just doesn't exist. Yeah, you're not. Hopefully that's helpful. You're no, you're not. definitely not. I mean, you're a part of like a ragamuffin crew of like people who make mistakes, yes. who make failures, but we're definitely not hopeless. Yeah. And so Stevie, do you want to add anything here before I share this story? Yeah, I just like, I... I found for myself, like whenever I was going through seasons of just hopelessness, doubt, like the negative feelings and whatnot, something that I actually did is I wrote on all of my mirrors, like that I, in my, like my, especially like my bathroom mirror that I'm seeing all the time. And then the big, like standing mirror in my bedroom, um, I wrote like attributes about myself that I thought like, Hey, here's why, here's Stevie. Why, why do you think you're awesome? You know? So it's like, I wrote things about myself, like all around. So it's like, I kind of had the, if I stood in the center of the mirror, I had all those things around me, kind of like, you know, like a rainbow essentially covering me. Um, and then I also had like Bible verses that were just encouraging and telling me to love literally like to, to love who I am in Christ and, um, encouragement ver- ver- Bible verses that my parents had given me, especially my mom, um, or like some of my friends would give me if they, and it, they would, I would get a text message. I'm like, this is how freaking God, awesome God is because I would get a text message from a friend and they're like, man, you were on my heart today. And here's the verse I started praying for you. And I mean, I would like, I would break down in tears half the time. Cause I'm like, what, what? Like I hadn't even shared what I was going through, you know, with anyone for maybe a couple of weeks. Cause I was internally processing. Cause I'm a, I don't know if this is goes for every sexual abuse survivor and victim that like, but like it, I feel like we are some of the worst internal work, like internal, um, thinkers. It's unbelievable. It's I, my counselor always said, she's like, well, you have already had 500 conversations with every single person about this one conversation yet. You have not actually had the conversation right. in your head the entire time. Yeah. And Um, but so I wouldn't have shared anything. And then a friend is sending me a Bible verse or just like encouraging words, like thinking about you, love you, praying for you. And I would just be, I would literally be flooded with emotions of, wow, Lord, you actually do have me in the palms of your hands control, you know, you know, what's going on. And yeah, so that was just little things that I had to do, but then also how friends and family showed up when they didn't even realize that they were actually showing up for me. So, yeah, I agree. That's very helpful to have friends like that. Um, And we don't, not everybody has that. So sometimes you have to 
reach out and that's hard. I know like I hate chasing people. So it's hard to, it's one of the things that I've learned because my dad kind of taught me this just recently. He texts me and he's like, you never checked on me to see how I was doing. And I was like, I didn't think I needed to. And I, I said first, I was like, oh, I feel bad because he was just being vulnerable saying like, he's not feeling good. And he needed somebody to check on him because I guess no one in my family was checking on him. And so it made me think of like, not all my friends know where my heart's at right now and what I'm going through. So what's the big deal with just texting a friend and saying, Hey, I'm hurting right now, or Hey, this hurt my feelings. Like this just happened. What do I do? And so I started doing that. And I realized that when you do kind of open up and you share, like people want to be there for you and they want to help you. Um, but they have to know you're going through something. And that's kind of like the biggest hurdle is is uh, being vulnerable and sharing that. Well, and then sometimes like I would finally share and I would have a friend say like, well, why Stevie, why didn't you text me two weeks ago whenever you were really struggling? I'm like, oh, I don't. And always I'm like, I just didn't want to be a burden. I didn't want to bother you. And they're like, okay, you're not being a burden. You're not bothering us, you know? And, and again, and then like my counselor, what she would say, and she's like, Stevie, you took away their option to let them help you. Mm. And she would say that to me a lot. Like you are taking away their option of voicing anything. And you're like, cause I, but my story's too heavy. It's too dark. It's too deep. I don't want to share it. Um, and the thing is, is like, I didn't need to share the dark and dirty details. Like I did, I don't need to share that stuff. Like I, I don't need to share it, but what I can share is that I'm struggling and that I'm having a hard time. And so that's whenever I, I just wouldn't share. And, and even now, still even at 39 and have been in counseling for over 11 years consistently. And I, I still will have a brief, it's a brief moment now. It's, it, it's very fleeting, but every now and then there will be something where I will not share it. And I'm like, okay, I actually didn't give my friends the opportunity to love me. And I want to be the friend that is loving and I appreciate, and, but I think that goes, like, that really does go all around for everyone. But yeah, just giving, like giving our friends and family the opportunity to love us. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I mentioned that I was going to share a story. I may have shared this many times ago, um, but I just want you guys to know that like when we talk about shame, we are not people who come here and are like, whew, we got that under control. Um, we definitely don't. So before I walked through healing, actually, no, it was it was during healing. I, I've shared this before. So almost every one of my jobs that I've had, I've had a boss or someone in that workplace talk to me sexually or say something sexually to me. And I started to pick up like a continuous habit of laughing it off, um, joking about it, sort of saying zingers back to the person, leading them to believe that I was either enjoying it or that it wasn't a big deal. But what my heart was happening inside was that I was really like, ew, you're so gross. I wish you would stop. I wish you would leave me alone, you know, but I didn't have the courage. And I don't really know why, because I really saw my, I thought I saw myself as a very strong person, but clearly not. Um, I, and although it absolutely oh, was there. I may say. Yeah. Hold on. That's not an indicator of not being strong. Yes, I, I know. I'm getting, yeah. This is a work, right. 
A hundred. It was what it was, was their position in my life. So their position in my life was either a boss or it was somebody who could affect my life um, as in my paycheck, or they could say something about my character. They could make, you know, whatever it was, the situation I was in, I felt, I don't want, I hate using the word victim, but I sort of felt like I was um, blocked in at all sides. So I felt compelled to just sort of carry the load on my back, grin and smile, just get through it. But then we got to a time where I started to, um, recognize like, and I, I went years of writing in my journal of, um, Lord, please help me. I I'm never going to change in this area. Like I'm doing this. I'm the one doing this. And I, I believe for many years that it was my skirts that I was wearing too tight, that it was, you know, that it was maybe my flirtatious laugh that I was causing this. And yes, it was their fault, but I did play, blame myself for some of it. And so when I walked through healing, um, I remember releasing some of that. And I remember just getting, you know, a little bit of a healthier mindset and a view and dialogue in my mind. But I had this one guy who was a pastor mentor type person in my life, and he had been talking sexually to me. And when he said something that just really was so inappropriate, for some reason, it sent me, it got me really mad. And I finally had the courage to confront this person. And I did, I confronted them head on in a phone call. And I told them that, and I knew that our relationship would never be the same after that. And that I took the risk of recognizing that this person may um, talk poorly about me. They may shame my character. They may say whatever, but I know for me, I'm not standing up for this anymore. Like this is not happening anymore. And so, yeah, everything that I said was exactly happened. You know, they shamed me. They made me feel like I was false humility or whatever, um, that I was, um, that I liked it. Right. Or that I, I asked for it kind of thing. It's all the things that predators do. And, and as I was, uh, walking through healing and obviously started working at trees of hope, I started to get an even more clear mind of like, okay, this was not my fault. This was their fault. What was my fault was not having the courage to speak up. And so I got myself to a point of, after I did that, of like a confidence of now, okay, I can do this. So there was this other area in my life where I was now scared. I now have this amazing boyfriend, Raph, who became my husband. And I was worried that this flirty way that I had was going to affect my marriage if I, if a guy came on to me. Right. And so I now was like, please, Lord, don't ever let an attractive guy talk to me or whatever. And so of course what happens, <laughs> you know, you have to get like a little, yeah, of course, when you pray something like that, you're like something like that happens. So I end up working at this job and this very attractive lawyer worked there and he would flirt with me, but not in a, not in an overwhelming way, but in a like, Oh, good morning, sweetheart. Love that outfit kind of thing. I, and I didn't think anything of it because, you know, at the time I did dress very professionally and, and in a more trendy way. So, you know, maybe he just noticed those things. Well, one day he called me up to his office and I told my husband, my fiance at the time, I said, this guy's calling me up to his office. And he goes, and my husband was like, Oh Lord. Um, and I was thinking, 
I hope he doesn't try to like flirt with me because there's really no reason why I should be going up to the office. But I told my husband or my fiance at the time. So I go up there and of course he starts to flirt with me, starts to say things that are extremely like, like, you know, inappropriate, I guess. And especially with the door shut and me and him. And so I was like, I have a fiance. You can't talk to me like that. And I just like ran out and I felt so stupid, but I felt so confident. I felt so empowered that I did that. And I called Rafa. I was like, yeah, you know what? He came on to me. And I was like, and I told him to go, you know, where to shove it and kind of thing. And my husband was like, I knew you would do that. I knew like, come on, I know you, but I need, I needed to do that because I had lived in a mindset for so long that I'm hopeless in this area that I don't have Mm. the ability to put people in their place. I, especially guys who are attractive. So I just wanted you to know that I, I was a Christian when all of this was happening. I was, I was a Christian for many years and I struggled with this message of shame for many years that I would never change. And you know, it doesn't happen all the time where a guy hits on me, but it does happen here and there. And I double doggy dare someone to come on to me, like who's sexually harassing me like they did in my past jobs, because now I will put them so far in their place, like they may get punched. So, and that's not a good thing, but at the same time, like, I just know that there's a boundary and no one's crossing that line. So there is hope. I'm not hopeless in this situation. And all it was, was me um, submitting it to God on a daily basis, right? And then, and saying prayers like this, Lord, make me brave, make me courageous, make me bold. Um, When and when this does happen, and I know it will, make me the girl that I know I want to be, which is a woman of honor, a woman of virtue, a woman of integrity. And you know, that may not be your story. You may have anger. You may have frustration. You may be overwhelmed with fear um, and, and things like that. Or I don't know whatever your story is, but I want you to know that there is good news for you, that God has something else to say about you and your story and your situation. And in the Bible, we're told that anyone, anyone, failures, drug addicts, uh, pornography addicted people, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new creation and a new person. So this is where that idea that we talked about, um, if we said the word, it's called regeneration. It's a weird, long word. um, And this is where it comes from. It comes from the Bible. And what that means is that God makes us new. So I got to say this again, because you need to get this in your heart and soul. And that that is that this means that if you're in Christ, you are a new creation, what was old is no longer who you are. And there's a new life that begins. And if that's something that happens on a daily basis, just know that you have the ability to walk in the new way. Nicole, I'm right there with you. Like I, I, I have also been brought to tears so many times, especially in the last, I would say even in the last, like, mm, like I'll go back even like eight years. Cause I really like really started counseling in 2011 and like after the first, like really like two or three years where we were just diving into my store, like really the first year where we just dove into my story and counseling and we're just unpacking everything. And then the next couple years, it was, it was that it was the, 
now learning how to deal, like it was learning how to deal with my story. It was like we unpacked everything and now it was like learning how it affected everything. And I would get into a new season of life and it would affect me differently. And, you know, um, and I, there have been so many, there have been, oh my gosh, I countless times that I have kind of sat back and I'm like, wow, Stevie, that, that's the, that was the new Stevie. This is the new Stevie, like old Stevie would have freaked out. Old Stevie would have lost her cool, would have been numbing, like hardcore numbing. Um, and whether that was drinking or going out. And I mean, like, I like the part of my messing around with guys, like way more than I needed to. And just, just stupid. I mean, stupid stuff, literally stupid stuff. Um, but that was my, that was my way of thinking that I was going to, I was making myself whole, um, and filling what I thought, you know, that void that was really, it wasn't even, I had, I had, I've been a Christian for a really long time and I most definitely had the Lord in my heart during these seasons. Um, but I was searching, like I was just searching. And once I finally realized that, the deep, dark, dirty part of my story was actually a redemption story and that I got, I get to walk in freedom and that I get to walk in redemption and that my story has helped thousands of other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, like, I look back at how I respond to things. I'm like, wow, old Stevie would have freaked out and who you are now, not even like new Stevie, just grown up Stevie has learned how to deal with it in the moment that I don't have a freak out. Or if I do, it's for a hot second. And then I'm, re I'm literally reminding myself or even a good friend. Like I was at dinner a few weeks ago with one of my really good friends and I said something and she's known me for a really long time. And, and she straight up said, she was like, wow, how you handled that situation with some staff issues. She's like, Stevie years ago, you would have been in a completely different ball game. Like you would have been sad, depressed, angry, frustrated, and probably taking it out on all of us are my friends. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I, oh my gosh, I totally would have. And so just being able to step back and recognize it, that is old Stevie. And so like a lot of times, like what I say for me, it's like, it's my BC days. It's my before counseling days. And I have my after counseling days. And so um, which again is why, you know, we have Kristen on here and why we all talk, like why it's so important to have, to go to counseling. Like it is so incredibly important to go to counseling. Um, especially if you have sexual abuse in your past, or if you even walk through someone, like, or if you walked through life with someone who's had sexual abuse in their past, like I, you know, there was, there have been times where I've had really good friends are like, okay, I'm not carrying this. I'm not carrying your story. And like, that's like when my, my best friend would always say, she's like, I hear you, but I'm not carrying your story for you. And I actually really appreciated that. Like, you know, it's the, she was able to hear my story hear or hear what was going on with me at the time and love me and pray for me. But she also wasn't taking that and then going and stressing about it afterwards. Like she was more praying for me in the situation. Um, yeah. So just, I think that it's, at the end of the day, to be able to walk through freedom, because at the end, of, I, I think to me, the opposite of hopelessness is freedom. And so like having that freedom that we lived a certain way for sometimes a long period of long periods of our life 
And now we don't have to, we don't have to walk that way anymore. Like we, we just don't have to walk that way anymore. Yeah. So true. There's, there's hope for change and growth um, and healing you guys. I mean, all those things that you guys are talking about and I really appreciate your honesty um, too. And just even when, you know, Nicole, you had written to, in your story, you had referenced several times that you were a Christian when you were still struggling. I see you kind of, you didn't say that the exact wording, but you were saying that you can still struggle as a Christian. So that I think it's important to differentiate the whole old life, new life concept. There is, you are, have been given a new heart, you know, by the Lord. It's true. When you come and put your faith in Christ, he gives you a new heart. You have a new life and we have to put to death the old ways, like let them fall away, let them die away. But that doesn't mean it's easy mm-hmm. to do that. And we're going to at times be, feel struggle. I mean, go through a struggle or fe- feel confusion, you know, about that or feel that shame or have to walk through some, some hard stuff um, to get there. But reminding ourselves that we are a new creation in Christ is so powerful and so hopeful. And that's a lot of what you guys are talking about is that's what really provides that fuel to like, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep seeking this out. I'm going to keep praying for whatever this is that I, that, that I need or that, that I know needs to change. It's not all overnight. No. You know, so it's a journey. It's a, it's a long lifelong, you know, it's a lifelong journey. Yeah. Yeah. But it will all be done in heaven. Yes. So that's the ultimate hope that we have. You know, praise the Lord. No more struggling then. Yeah. And I guess like if everything goes to hell down here on earth in your life, the one hope you can rest in is that when you die, if you're a believer in Jesus, you get to go live in heaven with God for the rest of your life. And that is you know, so, cause that's something that I always go down. And I'm like, well, this hope, this situation seems hopeless. And I'm like, but where can I find hope? And I'm like, well, not there. Okay. So not there. And then I'm like, well, if I die, I go with Jesus. And, and I know that's like, oh, it's like just that last statement, but we don't realize how huge that is. That's so big. Um, And so for some reason that also gives me like this, this thing of like, of a peace that I cannot explain of like, okay, well, if everything, if I lose my husband, if my parents die, if my brother dies, if every, I, I will one day be in heaven with all of them. And that is so comforting with God, my savior. It's so comforting and it's so hopeful. So, you know, the way we combat shame in our life is through living a hope filled life. And recognizing that as Christians, as believers, we have a power that is given to us by the Holy Spirit, and we can overcome whatever obstacles that have been placed in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit living in our life. And we don't call upon him as much as we should. And we really got to, especially when we have these shame messages of, you know, of saying like, God, I come to you and I know your Holy Spirit's the comforter. I need comfort right now in this area. I need, if it, whatever it is, make me brave, make me bold, um, make me strong, make me someone who's not angry, make me somebody who, um, you know, who loves others. Like, you know, a lot of people struggle with loving others. It's, it's a simple thing, but it's really hard to do. So, we want you to wrestle with this idea that you no longer have the have to believe the lie of shame that you are who you are and you cannot change and you're hopeless because Jesus 
says something different about you. And if your faith is in him, he is the one who says, I bring you a new life. I take your old life, I throw it away, and I make you new. So go to him and ask him to make all the areas of your life that have shame attached to them. If it's eating, if it's drinking, if it's what you look at and watch, if it's your marriage, if it's sexual abuse uh, or, or trauma that's happened in your life, it's your family, go to him and say, God, these areas have hopelessness attached to them. Please bring the new life that you have for me, the new life, the new uh, the new person that you want me to be. Help me to walk in these areas of my life in that newness. Help me to put off what is hopeless and dead. And so I really hope that this episode gives you guys life and is encouraging to you. We really appreciate you coming here each and every month and listening. And we really do love you so much. And please wrestle with these thoughts and ideas because I really think that they can help you grow and they can encourage you to be everything that God wants you to be. And that's free, really, ultimately. Anyone want to add anything before I close? Be joyful too. Like be joyful. True joy comes from the Lord. And I think that is something that I've really had to tell myself, like be a joyful person. I want to be a joyful person and all, you know, when things hit the fan and they're really, really hard, I still want to be joyful. Like I still want to pursue joy um, because it comes from the Lord and it's everlasting. Amen. That's actually just a little preview. Um, We're talking about that on our next episode, which is how do we rejoice always, no matter what our circumstances, how do we learn to rejoice always? And so it's going to be a fun one. So we will see you next time on episode 56. Bye. See ya. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. Maybe even consider rating the podcast or share it with one of your friends. It really makes all the difference. For more content from Trees of Hope and to connect with us, go to treesofhope.org. We love you. Bye.